Welcome back to another edition of The Untouchables featuring The Sopranos. The Untouchables, of course, is a Catch-22 production, and today we are going to talk about episode 8 of season 1, The Legend of Tennessee Moltisanti. Um, I apologize ahead of time. As you know, this is a completely independent podcast, and I'm recording in a local library, and they have decided to pump the air into the, the room right here. So if there's a little bit of uh, uh, background noise, it is the air conditioning pumping into this room, I guess. Um, Dr. Goldman over here. Originally, he was supposed to be a tree surgeon, but he fainted at the sight of sap. All right, quick synopsis of the episode. Chris is haunted, depressed, and working on a screenplay, one typo at a time. The guys get ready for federal indictments. Melfi's family and, soprano, and the Sopranos toast separately over their heritage. Uh, and Tony and Melfi butt heads over a missed appointment. And Olivia spills to Junior that Tony is seeing a psychiatrist. Now, again, I, mean, I feel like I say this every time I do this show. Not a lot happens in this episode. <laughs> okay, this is, a, this is a huge episode kind of um, making a commentary on itself. Um, sure, Chris has his own story going on where he's looking for his, his own story arc in an episode where he's looking for his arc. And the feds come in. They have indictments that just kind of adding to um, uh, whatever uh, obstacles Tony has in his life. Um, but really, the only thing that we see um, in this episode, <laughs> besides the feds, is just there was that last episode was AJ told Livia about the psychiatrist. Well, a couple episodes ago, it was um, Carmela finding out about Melfi being a female. Then it was AJ telling... Livia, that Tony sees a psychiatrist, and today it was Livia telling Uncle Junior that Tony sees a psychiatrist. So this progression of um, information being passed along um, has finally come to its resting place. And now that Uncle Junior has it, we could see where he's going to uh, gonna go with it. Um, the main thing about The Legend of Tennessee Moltisanti is that it really announces Sopranos as being a self-aware show, and that it doesn't really give a shit what you think about it. Okay, there's a lot of talk. It acknowledges there's two sides of the story about representation of Italian-Americans in a show like The Sopranos. But ultimately, it just says, there isn't a fucking problem here. People are fascinated with this stuff, as evidenced by the very last scene we see with, the Melfi, with Melfi's family um, within uh, their own family therapy session. And immediately, you know, when this therapist hears about there being a mafia connection, he wants to kind of rub his own elbows against it. He's, everybody's fascinated with this stuff, and it's just being portrayed in, in an art form here. And if you place, if you think, if you want to place his art like in a, in a bad light because of it, then you're kind of an idiot. And if you let the mafia define you as an Italian-American, you're fucking soft, all right? It's bottom line. So Chris is desperately through this episode trying to find meaning to define himself. It's our responsibility to define ourselves. Um, there's that connection right there. I mean, between what he's doing and what we're doing, we are looking at ourselves through this show. Now, I fucking love mafia movies. I love The Sopranos, obviously, so I'm doing this cast. And if you can't appreciate for what it is, then you got to go fuck yourself. It's basically, that's my bottom line right there. Just go fuck yourself. I'm, I can't have this conversation with you. It's, it's, it's a TV show, all right? Uh, if you... 
if you let a TV show make you feel less less than or make you feel like um, you're being disrespected, then you're then you're soft, man. You don't. I don't have any reason to be talking to you. Okay. Um, the Sopranos is like this brilliant job of melding together a criminal world and a world that I also that I, that I know. It's nothing to do with the criminal world. It's this world of being an Italian American, growing up Italian American, and um, surrounding being surrounded by other Italian Americans, basically. And I mean, you see it in like in like the Christmas stuff and just every day. Um, you know, we snack differently than than Americans. <laughs> we snack differently than. Um, other ethnic groups, and we we do things. I always bring it back to the food, but it's an, it's obviously a staple. It's one of the things in this podcast is we always go over the episode menu. Um, but we do things just a little bit differently, and just, just like I'm sure every other ethnic group does things a little bit differently than us, or you know the Irish or the Jews or whoever it might be. Everybody kind of does things their own way, and The Sopranos was brilliant in that it showed that part of being Italian, but also brought in this kind of fascinating. Um, criminal element that everybody can kind of tune in for and, and has no problem going along with the ride on. A uh, quick reminder, this episode, I mean, now it kind of feels old hat, but at the time, it was definitely a big deal. and definitely taboo for a, a gangster to be seeing a psychiatrist. And again, it's like we, we've, we spent six seasons, seven seasons, whatever it is, with The Sopranos, um, with Tony and Melfi. So it doesn't feel like anything. But in the beginning of the series, it, it's it's um, it's definitely a big part of of the tension, and it's seen as seen as a weakness, um, and seen as being delicate because your pet because of the possibility that you might be sharing some information that uh, you wouldn't want a civilian to know. And that kind of comes up with Tony and Chris. So Chris, as we know, in this episode has some issues. Um, he he goes and he tries to find the old old body that he had just buried a, a, a little while ago, and him and George go move the body. He shoots a, a kid in the foot uh, because he made him wait for buns, as Tony says. Um, and in that car ride that Tony and Chris have, it's a reminder. Number this is kind of going backwards. Number number two is there's a reminder in there that. You know, it's not really looked upon as something that would be acceptable that Tony's seen a psychiatrist. And he asked him if he's depressed. He asked him if maybe he has this or that, if he's ever thought of suicide. And Christopher kind of brushes that kind of stuff off, says, I'm not a mental midget and I'm not going to take Prozac and that kind of stuff. And there's a reminder that even this is this is his closest confidant, right? This is his nephew, this is his actual family and his work associate. And he should be able to trust Chris, but even here, he's kind of walking a tightrope. And there's also, like, his, you know, last episode was a lot about how Tony and Carmela parent AJ. And this episode, Tony's sort of parenting Chris. Um, and he's a lot more hands-on, obviously. And it's a lot, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that Chris is, he wants to help Chris along, and he loves Chris, but it, it, it affects him. His behavior affects Tony directly, right? Like, AJ's not going to do something that's going to get Tony in trouble or, give Tony a higher profile, not at this point. And with with Christopher, if he fucks up, it looks it looks bad on Tony because it's his nephew, and it could put him in trouble with law enforcement. So he definitely parents Christopher a little differently, but there's, there are uh, some 
some parallels as he raises AJ and kind of raises Chris in this thing. Uh, this, this watching this episode reminded me that you know the feds come, and he he kind of wondered early on how this show could last with um, the possibility of death and imprisonment was always looming. Like there's a, oh, we always knew that there's only a couple a couple real ways the show could end. That was either death or imprisonment, and those things always looming. You know the feds are in his house this episode, right? Uncle Junior has information that might be considered deadly to Tony in this episode. So all this shit is always kind of on the horizon or looking over his shoulder. Um, Chris's cowboyitis, as Tony puts it, you know, he spends this episode trying to find like a place in this world, a place in his world. Now we know that what, is, what he does is bad, but his goal is to be named in the paper. He wants his name to be listed with other gangsters in, in, in the newspaper. He was excited at the end of this episode for being recognized as being with these guys. Now, the whole idea of being a gangster is to not be seen, so he's playing the wrong game. Uh, Olivia, in this episode, um, well, she basically she just serves as this. Uh, first, she has to get out of the way so Tony can hide some shit at her, at her Green Grove apartment. And then she passes along the information that she has to Uncle Junior later on. Um, she couldn't wait. Uncle Junior mentions to Olivia that there might be a bad apple and don't tell Tony because you've got enough stress, there's enough problems, or whatever. And Olivia immediately just drops this bomb on him and says, I'm sure he's telling a psychiatrist it was all his mother's fault. It's just a completely calculated thing to say. And then she just kind of throws in, I don't want any repercussions. She knows what this information can do to her, to her son. Um, she even throws out, I don't want there to be any repercussions. So at least separate herself from whatever decisions Uncle Junior has to make in the future. Uh, a couple quick things um, before we switch over. Georgie, I, this guy gets disrespect to the whole episode. And I, I love how the, one, the first shot we see of Georgie, he's on his hands and knees in a bathroom stall sweeping for bugs. There's got to be a better way to do it, first of all. Um, but just... You're in the bada bing, you're in a strip club, and you're on your hands and knees in the bathroom. That's the last place you want to be. Um, what, he's not wearing gloves or anything. <laughs> Come on, Georgie. No self-respect, Georgie. And then Chris is misguided looking, looking for an arc. He talks about Richard Kimball and the fugitive. says there's no real arc there. And he says Keanu Reeves and the devil's advocate, which was basically, he says he gets turned on by the money and the devil, and then his wife leaves him. But isn't it, isn't like the Al Pacino, the whole... When the devil kind of starts influencing him, isn't that the whole change in the arc there? I'm not sure why his wife leaving him is... And why is he have such a negative thing about his arc? Is his wife leaving him? That's not the best thing that could happen. So I'm not even sure Chris even knows what he's looking for. He just knows he feels like a loser. He feels like he's all alone. feels like nobody's noticing him. And he, he feels like it's all for nothing. It's kind of, you know... We, it's a depressing thing to think about that we're all here for absolutely nothing. And Chris is getting that feeling right now as... A half, you know, a half a gangster, um, working for his uncle. Not really sure where he's gonna, where he's not made yet. He's not really sure what uh, what's next for him, and uh, rightfully so because he's stuck in this life, you know, for the foreseeable future. And maybe there isn't really a way out for Chris. Okay, let's get into the segments of uh, for this episode of the Legend of Tennessee Moltisanti. I didn't mention. 
uh, in the first segment. This was this is season one, episode eight of The Sopranos. It was originally aired February twenty eighth, nineteen ninety nine. And here we go with our segments. The AJ watches on as we try and figure out when one of the show's least favorite characters was lost for good. Hey, I give AJ an A plus for this episode. He wasn't in a much, uh, but he just talks some shit to the feds as they're taking out his computers. So I better have all my pro- my programs on there when it comes back. So I'll give, I give him an A-plus for this episode. He doesn't... I have no problems with him. I'm, he's in good standing with me right now. Uh, what the fuck did he say? Okay, so... Uh, when Christopher's writing a screenplay, uh, Adriana comes down and gives him a little bit of um, editing help. And he has, he has written... He, tried, he, he writes manage. He spells it wrong. And she says, are you trying to spell manage or manuj? Like, manuj la madagam. And manage America... I mean, everybody says it, you know, their own way, but uh, that's something I grew up hearing, man. And it just means, uh, manage means like, like, damn. I don't know, why Why do we say manage automatic? I don't know. Damn America? I don't know. That seems kind of bad. I don't think that's, there's going to be something more to it than that, but I don't know, as far as I know, manage automatic. That's something like damn, or damn in America, or something. I have no idea why I would, why you would say that, but it's something I've heard my entire life. Uh, most fam- oh, and then, you know, of course, Chantani, when uh, the Melfi family has their toast. And uh, the most famous one of this episode is when Agent Grasso drops the ball in the kitchen. And uh, Tony comes in, finds out his last name is Grasso, and he says, Ti faccio il culo così. Which, and he does like the symbol of a, of a gaping asshole with his hands. And says, I'll make your ass as big. Um, yeah. It's pretty much what it sounds like, I think. Uh, let's see. Any Godfather, Goodfellas references in this episode? Plenty. Because Richard, Miss Dr. Melfi's ex-husband, mentions that most people will reference the Godfather, Goodfellas, or pizza. We talk about it being Italians. These are things made by Italians. Well, fuck you, Richard. Why can't, why can't you appreciate what Francis Ford Coppola does or Marty Scorsese does? Or what the fuck, like the best pizza you ever had? Like, like why can't we just... Uh, you know, Frank Peppy's is the best pie you're ever going to have in your life. Why can't you just appreciate the fact that Frank Peppy did this and it still stands 100 years today? All right? Here's to Italian-American accomplishments in art and food and so on. And Antonio Miucci invented the telephone and they got robbed. Um, and then, again, in the beginning, and of course, the um, I feel like that comedian that's in the nursing home towards the end there with... Uh, when Livia and Junior are having their chat, that's a little bit of a Henny Youngman tip. Who's in Goodfellas? Take my wife, please. You know, that Dr. Goldman line. And Henny Youngman's line was, uh, Dr. Wells is here. He's a great doctor. Gave a guy six months to live. Couldn't pay his bill. Gives him another six months. And now we address the critiques, which, of course, this episode does on its own. All right? This episode goes out of its way to, um, to address a critique, which the violence is... The, is one and of course we didn't mention this from the Godfather Goodfellas. Of course, Christopher shooting uh, this kid in the foot. That's a callback to, to Goodfellas, which he gets shot in the foot um, by Joe Pesci's character. And you know when he's walking out of the out of the bakery, the kid says, "You shot me in the in the fucking foot." He goes, it happens because it does happen occasionally. Um, but the only violence in this is that, and Tony in Chris's car, he bangs his head against the mirror against the window. Uh, the gruesome versus the glorified here. Uh, Larry Boy's throwing this lavish wedding. 
um, actually kind of looks relatively modest compared to like we'll see Allegra Sacramoni later in this series. Looks a little bit um, not not as lavish. Looks more modest than than that than that wedding. But still, um, you could have these these glamorous weddings and you know roll out the red carpet for your guests and your kids and stuff. But then you know a few wise guys find out that law enforcement's on their tail, and they get they they clearly join out. They leave that they leave the <laughs> leave the wedding empty as they go to as pussy was burning shit on his grill out there. And pussy even goes back and get, goes into the bag to get his envelope. <laughs> I mean, if there's not if there's not a gruesome aspect of the the world you're surrounding yourself with, I don't know what is. And what is on the episode menu for today? Um, the episode opens up with Christopher sipping espresso at Satriales. The ghost of email cola comes in and uh, orders salami sub, hold the mail, and then changes his salami to black forest, which I think could be ham or turkey. So you got to be a little more specific there, email. Melfi's got the Sunday dinner, pasta, brajol, grated cheese, wine. And then Christopher at the at the uh, pastry shop, he gets the Schwierel, cannoli, Napoleon. Now we all know what cannoli is. Napoleon's like this layered flake, flaky type cake, which is delicious. And Schwierel is the uh, it's a flaky shell-shaped pastry with a little bit of uh, anise flavor in it. Delicious. Highly recommend after your Sunday dinner with your espresso, a nice Schwierel. All right, now we're getting some quotes. We're getting to the MVP, and that'll be it for this episode. Let's get into the top five quotes of the episode. Livia, coming in number five, coming into Larry Boy's daughter's wedding, <laughs> looks right at him and says, are you still seeing your other woman, Lorenzo? Your other women? Shit, man, I fucked it all up. Are you still seeing your other women, Lorenzo? Number four is Paulie Walnuts with two. That's two top fives uh, in this episode. Um, kind of su- trying to sum up life to Christopher. Not, it's not all it's cracked up to be, man. You can't be a big shot. You can't. Not everything has this crazy arc of a movie. I was born, grew up, spent a few years in the army, a few more in the can, and here I am, a half a wise guy. Sums it all up for Chris right there. And that's your path, man. That's your future. And even still, he's excited when he gets his name in the paper. That doesn't, if, that's, if, he doesn't want, if he wants some excitement to happen to him, Paul just put his re- the rest of his life right there in front of him. And even still, all he wanted was his fucking name in the paper. Uh, I do have an honorary one for three and a half here. Because um, this is the one I probably use the most in regular life. Just because I like using it. I don't use it. I use it ironically. I don't say this to people on a regular basis, but uh, when Tony and Christopher in the car, he bangs his head against the window and he says, uh, Christopher's like, ah, is it? <laughs> didn't Paulie tell you I haven't been feeling too well? And Tony says, you know what? I wipe my ass with your feelings. I use that line all the time. I wipe my ass with your feelings. I love it. Uh, number three, Carmela putting Livia in her place. I try to do something nice. I come here to take you out. Right away, you think I have some other agenda that I have to talk to you about? Don't flatter yourself. I just kind of like when... You know, Carmela puts up with a lot of shit, man. And Livia gives it as much as anybody. And she she's the only one who can kind of put her in her place, and she does it right there. Number two, Christopher's in line, and Vito comes in out of nowhere. Not Vito just yet, but the guy who plays Vito comes in uh, and is allowed to go to the front of the line. Christopher says, so I could go out, fuck your sister, come back Saturday, go to the front of the line. 
And number one, the number one quote of the week from this episode is Paulie. When Christopher goes, goes into the bing, throws the pastry on the pool table. Paulie, the delivery on this line, I can't do it justice yet. But he goes, oi, the Schwierel, what's wrong with you? Just goes and grabs it, protecting the pastry. I love it, man. I love it. you got to protect your pastry. Now, the MVP of the episode, most valuable paisan of the episode, this was a tough one. There's not, not a lot of winners here. Okay, is it Chris? It's his episode. By the end, he's in the paper. She gets what he wants. It's the complete opposite of what he should want. Okay, just because he gets what he wants doesn't mean he wins. He's playing for the wrong result here in the, in the game. I'm not sure it could be Livia again. I thought about Livia. All she really did, though, was hand off information to Junior. Uncle Junior leaves with the upper hand. Now he's got to sit in. Now he's, he's going to sit on this very sensitive information until he figures out exactly how he's going to use it. As a junior, he kind of falls into this information. Um, so it'd be a soft win. I can't give it to Uncle Junior. He's as close, I think, as there, as there is to it. Right? I don't think there's anybody who really won this episode. Um, it's, not really to- it's definitely not Tony. Like I said, Livy passes information to Junior. FBI is coming around. He's out, he's out a, a payment on, from Melfi because <laughs> he missed an appointment. Is it Brendan Falone? He finally gets his identity. Right? In death, Christopher envies him in his death. He was this fucking meth head scumbag, piece of shit, wannabe gangster. And Christopher is envious of him because he gets his name on the news. Um, it's not Brendan Falone. I'm giving this one to we, the 20 million. And I don't do that in solidarity with um, Dr. Melfi's ex husband. I'm doing it for me because it gives us the permission. This show is saying, like, look. You can watch the show. You can be in a tie and enjoy it. And you know what? You can. So this goes to, this is, I'll give myself the MVP. I'm giving you the MVP in this one. Okay? Let's see. That's episode eight. I'm going to write it down in my little book here. Us. The Italian-Americans. The 20 million. 20 million strong. But not the 20, not, not the possession of 20 million who fucking bitch and moan about it uh, that were portrayed in a certain way. Because I'm not defined by Sopranos, just like Christopher is not defined by, uh, I don't know, by some arc that he made up in his mind. So that's us. We are the MVPs, the most valuable paisans of the episode. Congratulations and salute to you as we close another episode of The Untouchables featuring the Sopranos. Hope you enjoyed it. I want to say a quick thank you to SopranosAutopsy.com. Can't do it without the research. Alan Sepinwall and... Uh, Matt Zoller Seitz, whose Soprano Session is a big help as I go through this. And, of course, the Sopranos Club on Twitter, who, um, whose help in spreading the word of this podcast is invaluable. Thank you so much. Have a great fucking day. And don't take any shit from anybody. We'll see you next time here on The Untouchables. Take care. <laughs>